Yeah, I mean, he did not like that and responded, uh, Jock, I don't know you well enough to make any jokes like this. And, uh, yeah, so then um, I wrote back. I'm just trying to pull it up so it's exact. Um, was meant to be all fun and games. No hard feelings. Sorry if you took it that way. Um, and then about two weeks later, after like week four or five, uh, he ended up leaving the league and, uh, there's been no communication since. Um, but like I said, it, it is true. I did send a, uh, a gif making fun of the Padres. And, uh, if I hurt anyone's feelings, I apologize for that. Rewatch a movie. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Quick, quick, quick. Quick, quick. Please don't aggregate this. Lillard, long range three. Their defense is atrocious. I'm sort of the rock star. Cowboy. Tiso is the official watch of the NBA. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about aggregation. I'm oddly intrigued by neck tattoos. You know, we love China. We love no plan here. It comes a dunk. Shut up and listen. You think you're better than me? <laughs> All right, welcome back to Swish FM. Chris Wendelkin joined today by Brandon Lizzie, a.k.a. Whammy. Wham Ben is off for the week. Uh, we sent him to a remote desert location right. to watch yeah. some game film. He's yep. uh, re-watching that pivotal game seven between Boston and Miami from the other night. So it's just us today. The inmates running the asylum. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. It's, you know, you get Ben in that film room and he's going to come back with something. So the yeah, result, for sure. if I'm, if I'm uh, the Boston Celtics, I'm not booking my tickets yet because he may see something that could change the entire result. That overturns it? Yeah, he could. Wow, you know, he, his his mind is like a basketball encyclopedia wrapped in a stone tablet uh, given to us from the god of basketball. So nothing escapes that guy, and there might be a couple, you know, a couple calls that are overturned. Couple, a couple, uh, you know, the gambling community looks to him. So we'll see how it goes. It's that easy, folks. Wow. Well, yeah, we we know Ben. He loves the dribbles, the dunks, the assists. The guy's so, a hoop fiend. Uh, he's a hoop fiend. He's a he's obsessed with the stuff. Yeah. Wham. Let's start quickly with uh, Boston and Miami. Um, were you surprised the game seven with what happened? I was surprised again. I think just to continue re- refrain here is I was surprised that Miami won any games. I really just I didn't. Feel, <laughs> I just didn't feel like dude. It, the fact yeah. that it won seven games, I was like, was crazy. Did I miss something? Haven't they crazy. been awful? Yeah, and it was so supremely uncompetitive, except for Game 7 and a couple minutes in uh, Game 5, I think. But it, other than that, you know, there was it was just lopsided, sort of boring games. And I've said it before, I mean, the Celtics, they have that, like, well-coached sort of, uh, you know, what do I want to call it, a stigma. You know, they're well-coached, i.e. they try during the regular season, and they win a lot of games because most teams don't. Um, and Wait, so the are Warriors you, are you yeah. officially like anti? Are you like anti effort? Are you no like no anti, no no like hard work? I'm anti the like when they when you sit there and you win the game in, in the Kings in February and it's like the capping of a ten game win streak and people go oh my god I can't believe these teams 
we forget every spring we forget that the playoffs are won generally by the team with the better player on it like yeah. that's pretty much the, the talent talent wins and so we sit there in june january and february and we go oh well look at the celtics and they're winning all these games and the reality for the past I mean, they made four eastern conference finals and lost all of them except for this one right yeah so that that was the reality and and I think if there was a little bit of health on Milwaukee's side, you know, we wouldn't be here. We would be Milwaukee uh Golden State. So I'm not anti-effort. I'm just anti the NBA media refrain of like, "Oh my god, these guys just won 10 games in in March." And it's like the teams aren't playing. If you're good, you're not playing during the regular season. There's exceptions obviously and there's uh things like that. But I watched the Cavs do it for LeBron's entire second tenure and um, you watch the Warriors who take the opposite approach and try to win every game during the season and people think that they're this unbeatable juggernaut but it's really like hey the playoffs are a different animal let's not kid ourselves Miami had that's why I always thought Miami had no shot they are definitely quintessential effort team quintessential regular season winning team and when it comes time to shift it into that higher gear watch out because uh, it's yeah. playoff time and we've got Giannis or we've got, um, you know, any other great player you want to name. So there you go. I mean, that's my thought is I, I was surprised <laughs> yeah. that Miami won anything. I'm surprised that I the Celtics. Believe... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. The fact that it got to seven games, I was like, I, I, it's, it's really a testament to Miami's system and coaching and like the effort. Heat, heat culture, it's really baby. like, yeah, no, like Boston has the far superior talent. And then, uh, yeah, game seven, it was just like, Kyle Lowry didn't have any burst. He couldn't get past anybody. Right, Tyler right. Hero was injured. Bam Adebayo played well, but he wasn't like I watched a he, I watched a TikTok. Uh, I think it was from Pro F- Football Commentator, and there's just ripping Bam Adebayo as someone really? that Miami is. Yeah, I think he's their best player. I think I can't. I think he's a really good player. Yeah. I just think that like you know I'm not sure that you can like run an offense through him. And then no. so when like Miami's most of their possessions just devolved into like. Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler one-on-one, trying maybe. to like out muscle yeah. someone for like a contested two pointer. And it worked. It worked up until the final shot yeah, for him. Dude, I mean, t- they, they could have. Oh my God. And <laughs> incredibly, we t- they could have like won the game. We uh, talked, Jimmy Butler. We yeah, talked about that in the text three. thread. And yeah. Well, that was the, the goofiness of Boston is that that five possessions in a row, Marcus Smart took a contested jumper. Oh my god! And it was like they were up twelve or something, right? Yeah, dude, I remember they were oh, they were up like ten. Oh, they're up ten man, with like a three minute. or four minutes left, and Marcus Smart just, just like jacked a three. And away. It was like, what an illogical was, shot! Like, why do this? It was five possessions in a row that he took the shot for them on offense. Wow! And then and yeah. then and then every time the Heat came down and scored, and then that uh, I don't know if you saw the film on that uh, Max Struess Max three. Oh right, the contested three. I, foot, I didn't see it, but yeah, his no. foot was he, on the out of bounds line. Ooh, huh, huh. dang! So it would have been over like a second sooner, and it was actually questionable as whether or not his his heels above the out of bounds line. But it's not maybe touching down. But I what a shot say, that was! Heat, yeah, and the heat going down the way they did, like that is really the most Jimmy Butler esque. Mo- like moment like yeah. the series on the line an opportunity oh. to go to the finals and your choice is either drive to the rim and try to tie it and push for ot or just win the whole fucking thing with and with he, a three-pointer and he took a open look he had i it. applaud and, the shot i'm taking yeah, that shot too. i think you drive to the rim there you're kind of re- I, you're not gonna it was a uh, horford right in front of him 
you're not going to so. get around Al Horford for an easy layup, probably. So you're kind of relying on a crazy, crazy low percentage two point shot or a foul call. And in that scenario, yeah. oh boy, if they call a foul, take the shot, I mean, take the shot. I mean, yeah, may, yeah. You're, you're one of the 10 best, 12 best players in the NBA. Like, clean look. Maybe you set whatever. up your offense. You're at home, yeah. be a hero, win the game. Yeah, maybe you set up your offense, but I don't think you drive. I don't because I think you're going to get a real a rough welcome there in the paint from sure. from Horford. Uh but yeah, I think uh, I think the Warriors sweep the Celtics. I don't think we'll we'll get to that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right, yeah, let's move on to it. So we have an NBA Finals whammy. Golden State, the Warriors are going to be playing the Boston Celtics. Um your first just like thoughts, impressions when it became clear the other night that the NBA final NBA Finals was going to be Warriors Celtics. What was what was running through your head? What were you feeling? How do you um, impulsively just like feel about these teams? I know you have a lot of yeah. thoughts and opinions about both squads. I do. I it's sad to see evil triumph once again, no matter which <laughs> which one of these teams wins. Um, you know, we I love thought, it, folks. We absolutely been, love it. <laughs> we've been we've been through so much, uh, and to have this, uh, I don't know how to describe it, uh, horrific NBA final <laughs> matchup where you have <laughs> okay. these. The, the Golden State, the little little kids on their huffies. Um, yeah, can you Warriors, talk this one out? You know? So, so you you have a viewpoint about the Warriors I do. that I do. they are a team made up of children, elementary yep. age children yeah. who have bicycles and they right. just clown they just around, run around, chasing chasing ice cream trucks, and you know whipping up <laughs> three pointers and uh, yeah. just generally not uh, not. Um, not a pleasing they're style making, of basketball. They're to making watch. a mockery of the game. Of the basically. game, yeah. They they're they're out there, you know, shooting from half court, giving each other little high fives and stuff. And you, what I like is a hardened, dunking, uh, you know, attacking style of basketball. I don't appreciate right. the. Oh, I, ooh, I just I came off a curl and I I hit a three. <laughs> I don't like it. Uh, I guess yeah. I'm insinuating that it's not manly enough using that voice, but huh? I would say that's not appropriate to insinuate now. But I would say that um, it just the way that they play basketball to me sort of reeks of like I don't know. I every time Steph Curry shoots a three, I'm like, how is he making this? It doesn't so seem wait, has skill. This always yeah, been has this always been your viewpoint about the Warriors that they were basically like a Harlem Globetrotters esque like. What? What soured me on their team. team? So, so they're a couple things that don't make sense with my general schema for the NBA. They're a homegrown team uh, for the most part. Now, I'll get yeah. to that. I'll get to that in a second. They're a homegrown team that I believe that would never have won a championship were it not for two injuries to the Cavs in 2015, when Kevin Love has his shoulder pulled out by Kelly Olynyk, and Kyrie Irving breaks his kneecap. In game three, when the Cavs were, I believe the Cavs were up 2-1 at that point. Um, and they would have lost that series. <laughs> um, or maybe it was 1-1 and they were the Cavs were leading and then they lost in the second half when Kyrie was right. gone. So they, I feel like they get a lot of shine for being this unstoppable, you know, Clay Curry, Draymond is this unstoppable juggernaut, but they're not. They are not singular in their nature. They won a title because of huge injuries to the Cavs. LeBron still almost beat them and then they go out and they get Durant and you know Durant's the real sort of basketball daddy in my opinion and he elevates them to this unbeatable stratospheric 
team and no one everyone still talks oh clay and draymond and it's no it was kevin durant it was not clay and draymond and uh curry it was kevin durant coming to them um he put them over the top he's the great element now you look at it and sort of the waters part for them again in this playoffs with their matchups uh, the Suns choke, uh, the the Mavericks are sort of injured and only have one player, and they don't really have to be tested in the playoffs again. They make it to the finals versus, again, I think if they were... Who's favored in Milwaukee, Golden State? Wow. Yeah. A much better matchup. Because this, I think it's very clear that they're going to beat Boston. I think that um, this was the mountain for Boston this year, and that you know we'll see if they have the mental fortitude to not allow Marcus Smart to take the last five shots. Cause if you do that versus the Warriors <laughs> and Steph Curry's coming down the court and he pulls up for a three pointer, it's going in and you're going to hear bang and you're going to hear, you know, everybody who's a VC in the Oracle arena, uh, you know, throw up their mineral water and, uh, you know, start splashing each other and giving each other high fives. But so I don't see the, series as being particularly competitive, but I guess the visceral reaction is I hate the Warriors. I just don't yeah. like the narrative that they've been assigned because I feel like it wasn't earned. And now they're going to get the championship. And again, I feel like it's all this little caveats and people can say every championship has caveats, but there you go. Does any of your hatred and resentment towards Curry and the Warriors have to do with the fact that Steph Curry was born in Akron, Ohio and does not play for the Cavs. The same hospital as LeBron, apparently. Really? That's what I was told. I read that somewhere. Uh, can't verify that right now, but I think... Um, uh, like, does Akron claim Steph? Steph is one of their own? I don't think so. I don't think that that's a big deal. Because I've always sort of associated he's, him with, like, Charlotte. He's the Charlotte area, right? And like, he, he was like a and, Charlotte kid. Yeah, that's what I... I mean, he was born here. I don't know how long he lived here, but... Most of the anger comes from the fact that I think that I think, and I nobody can talk me out of this. The Cavs win. How many rings do the Cavs win if Love and Kyrie aren't hurt? Because they were talking about dismantling the Warriors. You know, they were talking about they can't get it done. Clay and, and right. Steph are there these was, jump there shooters. Was, there was like, wasn't there this idea that they would trade Clay? For- yeah, for Kevin Love. For Kevin Love. Right? That was that, that, that was one that, of the first that things the that popped up. Didn't happen, obviously. Yeah. He was traded for Wiggins and uh, Anthony Bennett. May God rest his soul. But but um yeah, that I mean people were not high on the Warriors. And then and then of course they win that title, they win seventy three games and the, the it's a fever pitch. They're the greatest team of all time, and then they lose in the finals to LeBron. Um again, because I don't think that they were a great collection of talent without um, Durant. Now, I think now their finals opponent is going to really aid them, and um, I think this is the last piece now that they become this legendary team and they win this title. Now, again, though, Boston's long. They have good defenders. They could give these little tiny guards a lot of problems. Um, Clay's not the same person he was, and it seems like they're getting Peyton back and they're getting oh, wow. Iguodala back. I read that they did practice today. So we'll see. I mean, that's a big deal if Peyton can come back for them. All right. Well, that's the Golden State side of the ledger from your your yeah. your hate. Talk that's me right. through the Boston stuff. Is it your 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 hatred for Boston? Is that just sort of the uh, usual sort of you know, know we hate Boston sports? That's always there. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> There's a couple of things yep. that that get me going about Boston. Uh, when they signed Manny Ramirez away from the Indians, that was really 
Oh, now the garden guardians, but um, that was a big deal. And then you know, like I rooted for them against the Yankees throughout all the nineties, two thousands. You hated the Yankees, like you know, sure. But, but then was, I feel like it was like fashionable at one point to be like, let's root for the little guy. Yes, they're yeah. no longer the little guy. No, the Red Sox are no longer the little guy. Not at all. But the really the basketball hatred comes from the Pierce, the LeBron game where his last game and as a Cav the first time where he somehow gets a triple double but also clearly if you watch the game wasn't playing like it's i think he had like 40 points 10 rebounds 15 assists like some crazy line but then you watch the game and you're like he's not like because this was you know two years earlier he did the detroit thing and he scored all those points to end the game and win the game and you're thinking just do that and he's just sort of tentatively dribbling to like seven um seven seconds on the uh, seven second on the clock and then making one pass. So anyway, uh, that game where he took off his Jersey in the garden and that, uh, pairing of, Dur- of, uh, Garnett, uh, Pierce and Allen were, were what frustrated me about the Celtics was basically mm-hmm. that game. And then, then you had for now for years, for years, for years, everybody, Jason Tatum and Brown are unstoppable and they're going to beat the Cavs. And, you know, LeBron handled them, whatever, three years in a row in the conference finals. And then they didn't. And then the trade for Isaiah Thomas, the Kyrie trade. Oh, oh mama. Sure. <laughs> oh, I guess that, that would go the Kyrie trade. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then their draft just, we have 47. Have question. Did you guys, did, were you guys rooting for Kyrie when he was traded to, to Boston? Um, God, no, no, God, no. Um, you wanted to see, uh, like, I really, wanted to see really bagged the Cavs in a way that LeBron sort yeah, of, he, he burned some bridges on his way out of town, huh? He, he also, yeah, he burned some bridges and he also, you know, the rumor was that he threatened to have knee surgery before the season if they didn't trade him. And it was like, right, because there was like a proposed trade to the Suns or something. And he was like, if you're going to send me to Phoenix, I'll just get knee surgery. Uh, no, it was, if you're going to keep me on the team, I'm going to get knee surgery. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so like, Hey guys, if you don't entertain this trade request, I'm, my knee's hurting and I'm going to get knee surgery. Oh, he has knee problems. So, you know, you can assign whatever level of animus you want to that, depending on how much credit you're willing to give him. But I think that trade was also just... You know, we got Isaiah Thomas. The Celtics knew that he had a busted hip and um, traded him anyway. And we ended up getting a grievance pick, a second grievance, second round pick out of it. But that was a disaster for the Cavs. That effectively ended the LeBron second tenure. And again, it was like, you know, we're out there struggling to contain this. We're the only thing between the league and the Warriors winning. Nobody put up any resistance. Right, Clippers, Rockets. I guess uh, had seven. And then games. it was just the yeah. the floodgates were open. One, yeah, and then, and then Durant Durant went to Golden State, and then just eight eight lunch. Everybody's lunch. So we're the the Cavs in this at this time were the only thing standing in the way of the Warriors, and um, you know then Kyrie bolts and the Celtics get him, and then the, again it's like oh they're gonna be unstoppable. Well, guess what? They sucked, <laughs> and they sucked for three years, and then Kyrie left, and now. The Celtics needed to get again. I think the Celtics need to get pretty lucky to get here. So, but that's part of basketball, I guess. All right. Well, so so you really think Golden State is going to steamroll Boston? I could see it being a four-game series. I really could. What do you? Wow. Where are you? I think it's going to be super competitive, and I think there's 
I think it's going to be super competitive. I think there's a very real possibility that Boston wins the series. Wow. Um, so let me throw a couple things at you, a couple ideas, and let me know if any of these things maybe color your uh, take on this. Sure, series. So sure. it seems like one of the big sort of questions is like, you know, you have these a star from each team. There's this like adage that like, you know, the best player, the best players like win these series. So for Golden State, it's Curry. For Boston, it's Tatum. Tatum, Tatum, he's 24 years old. This is his first, you know, rodeo rodeo here in the NBA finals. It's his first time. Whereas Curry, he's won four titles. He's done this stuff before. Tatum is playing for his first ring. Curry's playing for what? Like an MVP, finals MVP? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, I think he's, if he's honest with himself, and he may not be, he might be just biking around the neighborhood trying to get in some last water balloon fights before mom <laughs> calls him home for dinner. Uh, if he's honest with himself, he's playing for his legacy because he is not yeah. known as a primetime playoff performer, uh, despite all of the accomplishments and rings. So we'll see if he if he gets this them over the hump. If they win this championship, all the Durant was the reason that they won. Questions are answered. So. Yeah. And then it seems like the big, you know, the the big avenue for Boston to keep this competitive is their defense. And it's really just, um, you know, like the, for me, I think the thesis of the series is just going to come down to is like, can the Warriors score on Boston's defense? Yeah. I mean, in the regular season, these guys scored about the same 111 points per game. Right. Um, you know, the, even the three point shooting was pretty close. Um, they, uh, you look at the numbers and there's no definitive big edge other than after the all-star break, the Celtics had whatever the best, like Kevin Pelton was like some superlative about like they were the best team ever after the all-star break. There's never been a better team in the NBA, in the history of the NBA, like defensively and um, plus minus and scoring differential after the NBA. So Wow, but then you look and they struggled versus Miami, and Miami kind of sucks. And you know, it's like which Celtics team are you going to get? I mean, the just the actual regular season stats are like extremely close. It's like literally one eleven point eight points per game for Boston, one eleven for Golden State. The rebounding is within one. The assists are within three. Steals are within one. Blocks are heavily favored towards Boston, but. I just feel like regular season stats, you take it with a grain of salt because effort, it's like how much of that, how much, yeah. yeah, how much of that is about like Gary Payton, uh, Gary Payton the second who wasn't, has been on the court for three weeks or, you Curry know, like or, 10 games and, or, you know, Robert Williams has been hurt for Boston. I mean, for, for me, I think like a big thing is that Golden State, it seems like has struggled in the playoffs when they've played against a team, specifically like Memphis, when they've played against a team that had, Rim protectors sure, uh, for sure. Memphis, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Stephen Adams. When those guys played, they gave you know they were able to put the the clamps on Steph. You know you had Patrick Beverly chasing them all over the perimeter, and they were able to protect the rim with the bigs, and it gave them a, a like a fighting chance against Dallas. It was just kind of like no big, no problem. Yeah, yeah, like it was just Maxi Kleba defending the paint, and no one was going to you know. No one was not going to take shots at the rim because Maxi Kleba was in the game. Right. But, I, you know, with Boston, I think it's going to be a different story. They, they have Robert Williams out there. Um, Al I, Horford's been playing great. I so. feel like that's that's the key, actually, for a guy like Wiggins. You know, if, yep. if Wiggins goes up for that dunk versus Robert Williams that he put on uh, 
Oh my goodness, um, Luca. He posterized Luca. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If he if he does that against Robert Williams, that that would be like what the series we, in a yeah, nutshell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like if 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 he can if go. Williams off gets and, the blo- if Williams blocks that shot, then it's like okay, then, then Boston we get could Boston, maybe win. Yeah. And and if Wiggins throws it down, then it's like yeah, then Golden State's gonna win. They're extremely unique in their. They're the best forwards that Golden State has played. Um, a lot of their foils have been, you know, Houston or when Chris Paul was on the the Clippers. Um, the Cavs didn't really have a great front court when they played the Warriors. Um, shouts to Tristan Thompson. Um, <laughs> uh, right. But this is different. This is this is a team that has a way bigger. Their their forwards, you know, guard guards and switch better than any team that the Warriors have ever played. So we'll see if that now, can the th- hamper them. And they also, the I guess thing- Boston has the best record versus the Warriors of mm. any team. Yeah, so, but there you go. The thing about Time Lord, though, I mean, I you know, if Ben hurt. was here, I, I would put him down as an X Factor, Time Lord. Yeah, for sure. Um, he's hurt. He's you know, hurt. Like, yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah, game. I mean, you, you, you look at the film again, you know, obviously Ben is rewatching Game 7 yeah. uh, of Boston-Miami, so he sees this better than anyone. Yeah. But when you rewatch that film... It's very clear that Robert Williams is like hobbling up and down the court. He has a torn meniscus that he's playing with. Um, so it's just, I, it's one of those things where you're just not sure how effective he can possibly be. But when he's on the court and, he, and when he's healthy, you know, he uses his athleticism to block shots. And when he's playing defense on a non shooter like Draymond Green, he can really cheat off Draymond. And really deter Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Jordan Poole from getting in the paint for those easy layups, those right. short bunnies. Right. So, um, you know, he's he's going to be a big X factor, Robert Williams, if if he's healthy. And then, of course, Al Horford. You know, he's been great as kind of just like a co-pilot to Robert Williams, sort of anchoring the D. I, so I um, can't imagine that Kevon Looney is going to go off. It really affects those guys like Looney and Wiggins, where it's like Wiggins. You know, he's not as affected by that as maybe a Kavan Looney, but hmm. I just don't see, I don't see Looney and Wiggins getting theirs as they did in the Mavs series, but I see that Steph Curry could have 50 points, you know, two games in this series. Uh, yeah. We haven't seen that game yet from Steph, in all in all fairness, not in he the did win. He did win the Memorial Western Conference... The Magic Johnson Award? Is that what it was called? mm, Yes, he did win the Magic Johnson Award. And Larry Bird Award winner, Jason Jason Tatum. Tatum. But I, I, you know, it just, it just strikes me as that Boston just doesn't have the, I think experience is going to win the day here. I think also Draymond Green, another key for me is if he's officiated appropriately. Um, I don't see Boston as a tough team. You know, maybe Marcus Smart is a tough guy, but I think Brown and Tatum are decidedly sort of more finessey. And mm-hmm. if Draymond Green is allowed to push and shove, yeah, then we're going to see a frustrated Boston. We're going to see um, some technical fouls. There's nobody on that team that's really like, a, you know, Marcus Smart is the closest thing to somebody who is can sort of match the intensity and the cheating that Draymond and falls. So, mm. so we'll see. I mean, it's, but I just, it's too perfect narratively for the Warriors 
to not win this. I'd be surprised if the Warriors didn't win it. But hey, underrated storyline here. Fultz Tatum, Sixers, <laughs> Sixers, Celtics. Wow, what a moment that draft. What a moment. What a moment that just decided the entire future of the NBA for the next 10 years. Well, game one is on Thursday night. So heading into the series, Wham, is there is there an X factor guy for one team or the other where you're like, if this yeah. guy plays well or if this guy plays poorly, that sort of their think, team's fate sort of hinges on that. I think you're looking at Curry having his normal twenty five points yeah. a game. I think you're looking at Clay having his normal eighteen to twenty points a game. I think you're looking at Draymond having one relevant offensive game and a ton of relevant sort of narrative fighting sort of fouling moments. And if you are the Celtics, if you can keep Wiggins and Looney and to a lesser extent, Jordan Poole, those three from being, you know, equivalent of an efficient, uh, you know, two or three NBA starters, you have a good shot. So your your strategy is basically keep Clay and Steph at bay, let them do their thing, but don't lose to Kevon Looney I don't and, think, and I think Wiggins. that's what happened to the Mavs. I think that's what's been I mean, happening. dude, Looney going off last round against the Mavs, it was just kind of like, okay, what? well, if, Ke- yeah, yeah, okay. if Kevon Looney's going to average like a double-double, yeah, then, then we're, there's nothing we can do. What are we doing here? Right, but I don't think... I think this uh, won't happen versus the Celtics, but I do think... the. It's it's basically can those three guys be the equivalent of quality NBA players, um, above average efficiency, et cetera. And then also I do think it's a big deal if if they let Draymond be stupid. If they let him yeah. play like like he's uh, Well the refs. The yeah, refs are a huge X factor, basically. If, and if, I'll if the tell refs you what, allow Draymond to be crazy. <laughs> that's the biggest factor for me almost, and they never have kept it under control ever so i can't i can't really endorse the celtics because i think they're gonna you know the refs are just gonna look at each other and be like is that stuff curry oh my god let him do let him do whatever he wants so there you go i think i think that's part of the experience thing that tips me towards the warriors but i think i think they're gonna be allowed to do kind of whatever they want and then they're gonna be boston's defense is good when everybody has to play by the rules if if they're officiated the same then um, Boston has the edge in, in defense, but if they're not officiated the same, and you know Curry's allowed to just bear hug people off when they're going around curls, and Draymond's just allowed to just put his body wherever he wants, then the Celtics' defense will be the same as the Warriors' defense, and the Warriors will win. Yeah, makes sense to me. I'm keeping an eye on Grant Williams. Um, G Dub, what a, what a coming out party for Grant Williams this playoffs. He could have. He could have a huge impact on a series, and uh, you know he could play that sort of Draymond esque small ball five. Especially like if if I feel like there's a there's a scenario wherein like Time Lord gets hurt, or where Time Lord is just like I I can't play. You know, ten minutes right. hobbling up and down the court, and Grant Williams steps in, plays small ball five. And he's not only he not only like holds his own on the defensive end, but he's out there just draining threes. Like that one game he had, I think in in the closeout game against Milwaukee, right, where he was just like, "What a weapon!" All right, like if <laughs> if what this guy's going to have a historic shooting <laughs> night from three, then I guess we're just going to lose. Well, regular to the season, Celtics. he's forty one percent from three, so the guy can shoot. He's good. Yeah, the guy can shoot. I'm not sure that he's uh, what he's been in the past couple games, but he's. He certainly can shoot, and that means yeah. that makes Boston's offense 
you know, Smart is the only person out there who really not a danger to make a three, but he also makes Smart will make three or four a game one of these series. So I mean, I you what who are you picking here, Chris? What's the Let's talk about your I'm, feelings. I'm, yeah. So last last round, I picked the Mavs to beat uh, Golden State, and I feel like that was wow. sort of like talk about your yeah. Time it was. I, I I remember Ben and Ben picked them too, and I remember you were like, "You guys are crazy. Yeah. You're just like your head is." It's in a the dream. Clouds. It's a dream. We all wanted it to happen, but we knew. I feel like I'm in a similar situation here, where like the romantic choice, like the the fantasy. Yeah, you want the Celtics choice. To... I, I I want the Celtics to win for the health of just the beca- for the health of the game. For the health of the game. Um, but the logic in me is just saying like, these are the golden state warriors. Like they, they, they've done this a bunch of times before we know how this goes. So I feel like my, my heart is saying, pick the Celtics in six or seven. And my head is saying, no, the warriors are going to win in six games and maybe even in five games next year. Celtics warriors. I'm picking the Celtics. For sure. This year, yeah. Celtics Warriors, I'm saying they get a little over their head. They get a little less love from the refs. I think it's a big factor. Curry and Thompson have one more, you know, main stage run in them and, and when they lose, I think. All right. Let's talk fantasy baseball real quick and then uh, I'll let you go. We'll, we'll have a quick one today. Um, so we're in a points league with. It's, it's 12 teams, 10 teams, remind me. 10 teams, baby. 10 teams. The CFPL, the California Pena League. It's a weekly lineup league. This is a league that you are the commission of whammy. That's right. There are a bunch of quirky scoring rules. Tell us a little bit, uh, a little bit about the league, yeah. who's involved, how you know everyone, and you know, give me like a thought here on your team. Um, tell us about the league. So the league is actually from... From my time at ESPN, so a lot of people don't know this, I started off uh, as an editor for ESPN. It was my first job out of college. I worked on a show called Cold Pizza, billed as the morning show with everything. It had Jay Crawford. It had of course. Kit Hoover. It had, uh, this was the birth, well, not the birthplace, but this was the national television, uh, I think, debut of uh, one Skip Bayless. All right, we're very excited about today's First in 10 because in From Atlanta... They're known as two live stews. They are Doug and Ryan Stewart. This is Doug. This is Ryan. Ryan played professional football, defensive back for the Detroit Lions. Skip, on the other hand, comes dressed in black today. You look like uh, you're going to a funeral, my friend. Jay, I am. I'm, I'm on the way to a funeral. Their funeral. <laughs> <laughs> you got that yeah, he started for uh, first and ten with... Um, Skip Bayless and Woody Page, and they would sit there and get uh, questions from Jay Crawford and argue about him. And then Skip obviously has gone on to be um, a sensation. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, no. So that league, you know, we had about ten guys from that that uh, show. In all, you know, I have a basketball league from that time. It's a fifteen years ago, sixteen years mm-hmm. ago. At this point, we've been in that league for. S- Wait, is that the same league that Ben is in? The basketball league? It was. Yeah, Ben is in that basketball league. So that basketball yeah. league and this baseball league have been going on that the entire time since two thousand and six, probably. Wow. And I have won five times the CFPL. I am far and away the wins leader. I am. Uh, uh, I think I'm a little behind in all time points to Pat. Uh, I won't use his last name, but Pat 
for also from ESPN. And wait, so all of these guys know Ben? All the guys in our baseball league, more or no, less. No, no, no. So there's a little bit of a, a guy named V and a guy named Pat spanned both mm-hmm. leagues. Uh, the the three of us overlap. The baseball had different interests than the bat. You know, basketball is different, different folks. Different folks. Not all, not everybody can do them both. But uh, you know, I'm blessed with that ability. So same. So and I was also blessed with uh, Miguel Cabrera for a long time, uh, who brought me. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he brought me. So so anyway, you know, it's a keeper league. Uh, you're in it now. There's a lot of weird rules. You've been, uh, you know, very nicely learning our weird stuff. But um, steep steep learning curve, folks. Steep curve. You're what are you, what are you one and four two and five now? It's unclear. There's a, unclear. a little we'll bit of a debate. We'll see the scoring. Yep. <laughs> see the see how the scoring shakes out. Some illegal lines this week, but it's a fun. No league. collusion, folks. It's a fun league. Stone and I. It's like the squid and the whale. Um, you know, just battling eternal struggle in that division. Uh, he and I. There's there's been um, uh, like you know matchups. I remember playoff wins and playoff losses so i guess i've been in the finals maybe eight times and won the five of them lost last year in the finals would have been a three-peat but uh i just love i love baseball i love uh it's more enjoyable because i don't have to really cover it and um that was the first sporting love that i had was when the former the guardians were really good in the 90s and that was a time i mean they had that 1997 98 team where there was just, I do love yeah. I do love that aspect of um, so I'm like uh, I'm replacing someone in the league that had been in since day one since, yeah. since day since one, day one. and so the league seems very uh, Cleveland and Ohio centric. It is because there's an influx of folks that have joined after the right. ESPN. So there's three people from Ohio, and actually Pat is also from Ohio, coincidentally, but we met at ESPN. So and I love that. Uh, I love that I I'm now like privy to all of like the inside Cleveland. Yeah, talk. you're hearing you're hearing everything about the Reds and the and Guardians. No, but it's awesome. Yeah. I especially I had such an affinity for those mid '90s Indians teams. Oh. I mean, the Manny Ramirez, Sabathia, you know, Bartolo Colon, Jim Tomey, Robbie Alomar, Omar Lofton. Oh my God, Marquise yeah, so. Grissom after Lofton. Lofton comes back. Juan oh. Gonzalez. The last year he was on steroids. I mean, wait, Juan Gonzalez played for the Indians. That was the nadir of their '90s, 2000 run. They had Juan Gonzalez and um, uh, date one. I know they had David Justice a bunch of different times, but Juan Gonzalez was. Well, they like, had Albert Bell, of course. Yes, yeah. Juan Gonzalez was like the last major baseball player that they acquired prior wow. to trading away. Now that then you have the 2000s Indians Guardians who. Their mantra was develop a Cy Young winner and then trade them to. <laughs> they traded away Cliff Lee, Bartolo Colon. It was like clockwork. Oh, every, so like, bad. Three, it, they were like the original Tampa Bay Rays, where it was like every three to four years they would just like reboot it. They're like, all right, yeah, this guy's twenty six. He's won a Cy Young. It's and time now to you're trade him off and for restock. Literally nothing for Matt Laporta for CC Sabathia oh, was the big. I remember Matt Laporta. Yeah, Matt Laporta. What a what a stud. <laughs> But he that was, was going to be a stud, like first, first baseman, baseman like from slugger. the Brewers. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. that was what soured me. So baseball is—I kind of have a love hate, as I do with many things, love hate relationship with baseball because you're just as a Midwest fan, you're just forced to watch your team be a farm system for all these other teams, and it's not fair because now nobody basketball. Yeah. 
Yeah, you can, you can be the Cleveland it. Cavs and you can win a little chippy. Has, yeah. Everyone has to spend the same amount of money. Yeah. You, you can only spend so much and you can only spend so little. So is it there's in- parity and you can be the Minnesota Timberwolves or the Cleveland Cavs and be relevant. the world champ. Yeah. And be yeah. and be relevant and be you know and and the New York Knicks can be a laughing stock. Yeah. Like you, oh, yeah. you're like being, <laughs> they sure being, can. Yeah, being a hot, uber rich, having an uber rich owner, and the Lakers can be a la- Yeah, the Lakers yeah. can be. So uh, here's a question: Is is it more enjoyable for you as a coaster to? I mean, baseball is lagging behind every league in popularity, and that, and my supposition is basically that it's because they do not regulate the competition fairly, and there's no reason. If you're a fan of the Twins, you know, what do you have to root for? What do you, what do you... It's tough, man. It's like, you know, you got Byron Buxton, you got him for a year, two years, and then he's gone. And it's, what's the point of, for any of these teams, you know, name any but anyone but the Dodgers, Yankees, Mets. Um, Red Sox. That's it. So, yeah, Red Sox. But not even now. The Red Sox are turtling and not spending. So, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's why it's less popular, and I think it's a is big it problem. fun? Is it fun being a coaster and rooting for one of these teams? I would say the Mets are uniquely yeah. The Mets are the Mets a are you the Mets are uniquely tortured, kind of like the they're Red the Sox Knicks. Fans. They're the Knicks of the, of the yeah, but like kind of like the Red Sox fans were in the early aughts, or like the Cubs were a few years ago, where it's like. I genuinely have a ton of pain from never seeing this team succeed. But really, you can only claim so much of that before you're like, we're we've always been rich. Like we we yeah. could afford Mike Piazza. The it's difference not like- the difference with the Mets is that they're generally suffering due to their own incompetence. It's not it's not like yes. nobody's putting a gun to their head having them sign these guys. You know, Bobby nope. Bonilla Day, et cetera, et cetera. Honestly, the real sympathy for the Mets comes from they're the Clippers, basically of, sure. of New York. I would say they're the like, Knicks of the MLB because they yeah. make some boneheaded move. They just oh, total. I mean, they're they're the class clown. You know, they're just like they've got the resources, and then they make the worst possible decisions with those resources. So I think that's the Knicks. That to me most reminds me of the Knicks. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, but I yeah, love, but I, I, I agree. but I, but. The thing that they don't have that the Knicks have is that extra gear of like everyone walking around thinking they're, you know, the Knicks are like, we're the best, baby. Nobody yes. on the the Mets are not out there. Mets fan culture is much more no. sort of humble. Way and more, more realistic. Like, yeah. I know. I know we're buffoons. I'm so embarrassed yeah. to wear a Mets hat. Sorry. Like, it's more like, sorry, guys. I just want this team to really win. It's been real. Like I had a really difficult childhood. Yeah. Like, my brothers were all Yankee fans, right. and I'm the one that chose the Mets. And I've always been made fun of and shoved in lockers. Oh yeah. Uh, Whereas the Knicks, Knicks fans are completely delusional, and the we're Mecca. like, they call it's the, the, Mecca. Gar- the Mecca. We're back. It, yeah. makes, it hasn't had a meaningful basketball game in it in 33 years, and it's the Mecca. It's, really it's just like, it's, but but so you're a, so you're uh, Mets, Knicks, and jets jets wow yeah i'm like wow. uniquely tortured yeah boy you you could have gone you know what i think that speaks to your character i think that's if, I, if you're yeah, yankees maybe. if you're it's yankees, also just like a long island thing i think sure. they're, they're like like there are these sort of subsects of the tri-state area where it's like if you lived in the outer boroughs like if you're from queens or long island you're probably trending more towards mets and sure. if you're like 
you know, from the Bronx or from Manhattan or like Stand Westchester, Island. you're probably like a Yankees guy. Yeah, there is a there is a geographical divide there. But I think And same with the Giants too. Like y- you know, y- you became a Giants fan if like you were like you accustomed to like success. Yeah. 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 Well, the, but they both played in the Meadowlands, right? So Yeah. But then, you know, the Jets are based in Hunter College, right? And then the Giants are based in in actual New Jersey, I think. I think. Uh, well, the Jets forever practiced practiced at Hofstra on Long Island. Yeah, sorry, not, that was, not Hunter. Sorry, Hofstra. Yeah, that that was a big draw for me. Huge, but they, huge. Yeah, they they've since relo- relocated and to the Giants. New I thought were in New Jersey for all yeah, those years. Yeah, th- yeah, the Giants were in Jersey too. But I I grew up going to like Jets practices at Hofstra. That's a big deal. It's a huge yeah. deal out, on, yeah. out there on Long Island. Yeah, Long Island. Um, yeah, man. In terms of baseball in the league, it's it's great to have you. I got, well, it's you gotta fun. you gotta organize the sparps. You gotta learn how to <laughs> wield the spark. We have big things coming from your team. Spencer Strider is gonna really pop off. Uh, no I'm excited. Doubt. Is there a guy on your team without like yeah. you know showing us your hand that you've had a lot of fun? Pull up your phone. Is there a guy on your team who you've like really enjoyed watching? Oh, oh, so this many. Year? So many. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Alvarez. Uh, Jordan Kyle, he's so Kyle I'm on, I'm in our yeah. CBS league and then also in a Yahoo league. Jordan Alvarez is on my Yahoo team, and boy, oh boy, boy what, is a, he, he's what a, a good monster. boy! Yeah, <laughs> what a good, monster! What a nice young man he is. Um, yep. I love all my pitchers. I put a lot of emphasis on the staff: Bueller, Burns, Cease, Freddie Peralta, R.I.P. Freddie Peralta. Man. What's going on with Peralta? I have he's him in Yahoo. Lat, I just know that got he's a lat injured. strain. Got a lat strain yeah. so but we got shane baz coming back uh ozzy Albies, a big fan of ozzy Albies, will smith Corey seager and then tommy edmund the waiver wire gem who's just been <sighs> had tommy Edmond last year it's interesting one th- interesting about this league is that there are guys who aren't keepers we keep four people uh-huh. but but they continually stay on the same teams just because the same people draft them yeah it's and that for me you know, t- I think Tommy Edmund has been that guy for the past three years. And um, really, nobody, it's sort of a new crop of players now. But, like, for a long time, every year I had Eric Hosmer. And it was like, if anybody else drafted Eric Hosmer, I'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's just sort of like a relationship. Yeah, it it's is. Like, you I trust, trust him. this person. You trust him. He's no better. You know what to expect. Right. He's no better than, the you know, the first baseman that you think is good you know like he's he's not gonna do like there's this group of you know at every position there's this group of players that are like three through ten and those yep. those just would always fall in the same way for years and years it's like well this you know this guy is zvi's guy and like i had Bumgarner for a long time mm-hmm. and still like every year to like draft him in the last round <laughs> like he just gotta get Bumgarner back on the squad yeah um, we do roster blessings uh, because it's the California Pina League, there's a guy named Carlos Estevez on the on the Rockies. I'll be picking him up because that's Charlie Sheen's real name. So oh obviously it's from Major League. The California Pina League is a reference to Major League. So uh-huh. uh, there's a lot of things it. that are ingrained into the league that you'll you'll catch on to that are. And it came from our well, commissioner, to be here. Mark Rusciano, mm. hardcore exci- Long uh, Staten Island guy. So he really. The rules were the rules, and the, this is how they were. And uh, his, I love his it. dad was a semi-pro umpire. <laughs> Crazy! Wow. Yeah. Just I just love, love all the, the detail, the yeah. history. 
Uh, I have Julio Rodriguez on my Yahoo team and on my CBS team, and uh, he he's just been a joy. I mean, he had a, yeah, he had what a, a really fun, cold, what a really watch. cold start to the season, and then he just. I noticed he just started stealing bases like a madman. He he wasn't getting many hits to start the season, but every time he got he on base, running. he was taking off. And I was like, all right, even if you're striking out all the time, you're getting on base. And once you're on base, Make you happen. know, yeah, you're making things happen. And now his batting average is coming around. He's flashing a little power. He's on and, pace for um, 47 steals. Unbelievable. So very exciting uh, to, to watch his development. What's, what's the go, thought on benching Nick hmm. Castellanos this week? He's been cold, man. Mm. He's been so... Just like, cracked a homer been, yesterday, too. I know. Of course, the week that I sit him. Um, you know, it, that's the thing about this league is you have to make some tough choices. A weekly league, yeah. It's a weekly league. So you set your lineup for the week, and then that's it. You're stuck set with it. Set it and forget it. You're stuck with set it. Set it and forget it. Okay. And so for about three or four weeks, Castellanos has been just like could, could not More get like a crash hit. Castellanos. Yeah. Yeah. And I was watching, who was it? I was watching Jared Walsh on my bench, just, you know, Mr. Consistency put up, <laughs> you know, 22, 23 points every week while Castellanos is literally giving me like a, an a eight, negative point seven five. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, all right, enough. Why don't I'm, I'm just going to wait till Castellanos heats up again and I'll, I'll put Walsh in there. At least I know what I'm getting. Right. And of course, as soon as I do that, he makes me look like a fool. Homer so. Sunday, Homer Monday. We'll see what happens. Yeah. <sighs> Not good. Not good. Not good. Uh, before we go, let's talk Jock and Tommy Fam. Yeah. Um, this is probably the funniest moment of the 2022 MLB season. Came over the weekend. Uh, Cincinnati Reds outfielder Tommy Fam <laughs> walked up to San Francisco Giants outfielder Jock Peterson, Peterson before the game and slapped him across the face. The issue stemmed from a fantasy football dispute. I guess they're like a bunch of uh, uh, MLB players play in a fantasy football league together. And Jock apparently found a loophole in the rules and was mm. stashing mm. healthy players on the IL. But it was a loophole that Tommy Pham had also done in another league. So Not really a loophole. <laughs> there was some good similar... nature rib- ribbing hap- happening on a, a group text thread, I guess. There were some gifts being exchanged. And then uh, Tommy Pham left league at one point right. and then on saturday he walked up to jock peterson before a professional baseball game <laughs> with fans in the stands mm. and slapped him across the face tommy fam has been suspended for three games for inappropriate conduct much to the delight of twitter whammy jock peterson went on camera with beat reporters and literally read the text thread aloud and showed the exact gifts so that were used to mock tommy fam who was playing for the padres at the time and the team was in the process of collapsing i know what he said and either it's true there are uh there was a lot of money involved in it there i did send a gif in the group chat that was making fun of the padres um in the group chat there was also some there was more than one padre there was maybe four or five that uh i'm kind of close with a couple of them and it was supposed to be a friendly thing just making fun of they were playing bad and just talking back and forth and uh yeah i mean he did not like that and responded uh jock i don't know you well enough to make any jokes like this 
and uh, yeah so then um, I wrote back I'm just trying to pull it up so it's exact um, was meant to be all fun and games no hard feelings sorry if you took it that way um, and then about two weeks later after like week four or five uh, he ended up leaving the league and uh, there's been no communication since um, but like I said it, it is true I did send a uh, a gif making fun of the Padres and uh, if I hurt anyone's feelings I apologize for that Wham, are you team jock or team fam, uh, and why? Uh, I am team jock. I, uh, is there anybody who's on team fam? I don't think so. I mean, I think in, in, in Tommy fam's defense, you know, it feels good to slap a man. He owned up to everything. He literally corroborated Jock Peterson's entire story (laughs) and was like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. He's not like, he's not, he's not over, he's not contesting or appealing the suspension. And he said, quote, we had too much money on the line. So I will look at it like there's, so I look at it like there's a code. You're oh, effing with code. my money. The code. You're, e- you're effing with my money, and then you're going to s- say some disrespectful bleep. There's a code to this. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Pham also called himself a, quote, big dog in Vegas and a high roller oh, at many yeah. casinos. So, you know, he That's takes when his you money know seriously. You're, you're on the right track is when you're shouting out yeah. that you're a high roller. Uh, I would say... Um, uh, I would say that when Jacques said that I, violence is not the right path, that he wouldn't be over for life. This is a yeah. guy also who, you know, up and coming young slugger for the Dodgers, struggled a little bit, had a career path that's been a little bumpy, won a couple World Series, and just is a fun sort of baseball guy. Uh, yeah, dude. Quintessential all or nothing power hitter type guy for most of his career. So it's kind of a guy that you tender root this was someone that like two or three years ago in fantasy during your draft people was were like, going nuts we got number have, one prospect we got to get number one prospect yeah. yeah like this is going to be you know this is going to be one of the next great sluggers in your outfield didn't quite live didn't up hap- to it no but yeah, he's dude, been a good player it didn't happen immediately and then so he got kicked to the curb and where did he he did he go to the braves but he got he traded the to the Braves yeah. from like the Indians or like some Midwest team, the the Reds or something. Some Midwest team. Uh, well, he was on the Dodgers, and then he yeah, and then he he, he headed over as a free agent. to let's see here. He headed over to Atlanta. No, Chicago. There you go. The Chicago. Cubs, the Cubs. Yeah, the, and the Cubs are traded. struggling. Right. And at the deadline, they just like flipped him to the Braves, who had just lost Okunia for yeah. the year. They had right? already lost Ozuna. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They had to remake their entire starting outfield in one day. Right. Uh, and, right. Then, and then he went on seven homers, 22 RBIs in the regular season, um, and then had that marvelous postseason. So, you know, and this was a guy who was basically cast off from the Dodgers. He's, but he's a. He, he's a quintessential like 200 hitting slugger and in in baseball what's he hitting now i would uh, guess 250 60 something 267 he's yeah. a little higher than lifetime 233 hitter yeah and uh but you know he had season 36 home runs in 2019 for the dodgers right never never really been under 20 home runs in a full season um except actually last year but uh 
just a guy that, you know, not to say that Tommy Pham isn't someone you root for either, but I think that uh, Jacques is this sort of quintessential sort of slugging, slugging, slugging guy. And you just love to see him slug. Adam, Adam Dunn 2.0. Etc. Etc. But dude, him reading those text messages so just funny. so incredibly dryly. So and funny. Just what a delight. Yeah. What a delight. But the not, not choosing violence, big deal, guys. That's, we love it. Yeah. I'm gonna let you go. We both got stuff to do. We will be watching the NBA Finals, which begin on Thursday, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for uh, pinch hitting for Ben here. Thanks for having me. And uh, where do we find you online? Remind us at, at, at Whammy45 on TikTok. Yeah, at Whammy45 on TikTok at Brandon Lissy on Twitter. Thanks, guys. Right. Later. You've been listening to Switch. 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 Swit